Welcome to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. Good Shepherd New York is a community helping New Yorkers embody the love of Christ for the good of our neighbors. For more information, go to goodshepherdnewyork.com. May you be filled with curiosity, grace, and peace as we listen and learn together through this sacred text. And now a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And now, having heard our gospel text, we take a moment to open our hearts to God, to ourselves, and to each other. And whether you bring lots of faith or doubt, we simply invite you to bring your full self to this moment, as you really think and feel, and open to the possibility of change and healing that love makes possible in a moment like this. Just a few moments of quiet as best as you know how. As we sit here together in this quiet moment in our homes or wherever we are, we pray this simple prayer. God, open us to your love as we consider this story. Amen. Matthew's story tells us that Jesus wants to be alone here. He takes a private boat to a secluded place. Why? Well, the text tells us it was because Jesus heard what had happened. Now, what exactly had happened that sent Jesus on this contemplative retreat? What is it that became the driving incident of our story today, the feeding of the multitudes? Well, it was the death of his friend, John, who was known as the baptizer. His wasn't really just a death, though. It was a murder, a political lynching. See, King Herod was torn. He was convicted by John, and yet he truly enjoyed listening to him, and therefore he protected him as much as he could. You see, Herod was married to his brother's wife. John had condemned this, and Herodias, Herod's distastefully appropriated wife, hated him because of it. The web of conflicting desire, that bane of human history, it's represented powerfully in this story, and it ends in John's death. And that's because in the realm of scarcity, death is the inevitable result. 
It's against this backdrop, this realm of scarcity depicted in the political sphere that our story today is told. It wasn't simply scarcity in the abstract. No, it was personal. Jesus' friend was killed because someone was thinking in zero-sum terms. His friend was killed because someone believed there wasn't enough room in the world for John and for John's message and narrative. Scarcity always does this. It pushes us toward a person, an idea, or a group where we attach deeply. And then it sets all who threaten said person, idea, or group as enemies that must be removed. It sees difference often as a threat. It sees stranger and enemy as someone who should be avoided and excluded when possible and exterminated when necessary. This happens naturally with human beings, from the primal story of Cain and Abel on to today. But this vision and practice of scarcity, it also gets institutionalized. And it forms these same mechanisms for dealing with competing desires, only now it calls them sacred and just because they are attached to religion or to state or to the market. And when our violent, expulsive responses to people or groups becomes institutionalized, it becomes very difficult to see. It becomes what water is to fish, you know, so pervasive that it's not even noticed. And if something can't be seen, it can't be resisted. So much of Jesus' power and danger rested in his inability to see and to resist this mechanism. He pointed out that it was happening. He called it unjust. He called it sin. And the gatekeepers of that mechanism hated him for it. Those who were skeptical of those institutions or had been hurt by them were drawn to Jesus naturally. And this is where our narrative picks up. The intrigued and curious crowds have followed Jesus to this remote place. They get word where he is headed, and from their own villages, they go on this journey ahead of him to meet him. Now, who was the leak? We don't know. But somebody tipped them off. And so when Jesus arrives to this remote and solitary place, it's no longer solitary. I wonder what that boat ride was like for Jesus. Mourning the loss of his friend and his colleague. Seeing the stakes raised for a movement that was so deeply connected to his. He must have felt the gravity of that moment on the boat. He needed to recenter, to reconnect with that rock bottom foundation of his life and vision. The same foundation that enabled him to break the backbone of fear in the wilderness where he faced those three powerful temptations, each rooted in that seductive and pragmatic promise of scarcity. I imagine he looks out across the lake, feeling the breeze in his face, reconnects with his breath and with God's deep revolutionary love. He reconnects with the God of abundance. And it's clear he's done this. Just look at his response to the surprising presence of the crowd on the shore. Right? Jesus was hurting and he wanted time to gather himself and to restabilize. That's what Jesus wanted. But the crowds are in the way of his desire. Only we see him respond not with the zero-sum imagination of Herodias that becomes furious when the object of desire is threatened or denied. No, we see him looking out over the crowd and experiencing compassion. Jesus had been burned by the realm of scarcity, but he doesn't get sucked into its trap. He doesn't reproduce its pain by getting seduced into its spiral of violence, revenge, and death. Jesus is seeing and he is resisting the realm of scarcity because he has been to the mountaintop of abundance and he has seen and he has known the loving God of abundance. That's the breath he breathes. 
right? That's the song he hears, and it's the cadence of his step. And so when he sees the crowd, he heals rather than hurts. I wonder if you can connect right now with a part of your life where the scarcity mindset has, has you wanting to hurt yourself or others rather than heal. I wonder if you can identify a part of your life where you want to push someone out who's getting in the way of what you want, where you want to get rid of them because the way that you are imagining the world, there's simply not room for them or for their group or for their ideas. As the day you know, draws to a close in our story, the disciples, like the crowd, they know dinner time is approaching. They all desire a meal. But the remoteness of the place and the scarcity of the rations has them begging Jesus to dismiss the crowd. The disciples have uh, the residue of scarcity on their lips, that echo of Herodias in their words. Send them away, they say. This is the impulse of scarcity. When there doesn't seem to be enough of what you want to go around, send the competition away. When someone doesn't agree with your political or theological opinion, send them away. When a friend or a family member offends you, just send them away. We are so used to sending away our problems and the people who represent those problems. But look at what Jesus says in response, quote, they do not need to go away. Right? Let that sit. What people, groups, or ideas exist in your life right now that you would plead with Jesus to remove and would instead hear this simple and powerful mantra of abundance, they do not need to go away. This is the theme of the parable of the wheat and the weeds, right? Let them grow together. That which the imagination of scarcity sees as incompatible, incongruous, diametrically opposed to what we want is transformed by the imagination and spirituality of abundance, where they're held in tension and the posture and practice of generosity begins to seep into the situation. When confronted with deficit or lack, and when convinced that there isn't enough to go around, we often want to hoard or to protect, right? It's natural. But Jesus knows the primary way to resist the spirituality of scarcity is with the practice of giving. Jesus says to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat, right? You give. That's the key that opens the doors of our scarce imaginations. But it's still resisted. The disciples double down. Not only is it remote, not only is it getting late, but there just isn't enough, they exclaim. But Jesus gives instructions. He puts on this climactic or theater performance of generosity and abundance. The same generosity and abundance with which he met the crowd on the shore. He tells them to shift their attention away from what they don't have, and he tells them instead to examine what they do have. Right now, in the face of that person or group or situation that you want to go away, it's so tempting to focus on what you lack and how that person or group or situation threatens the little that you already have. But what would happen if you were able to pivot, even slightly, and consider the presence of provision in your life. What do you actually have in front of you? Take note, observe, name it. That's what the disciples are forced to do in this story. And they come back with five loaves and two fishes. That's the provision. And so Jesus uses this as a theatrical moment. He asks everyone to sit down, he gathers them in small groups, and he creates basically hundreds of little tables in the wilderness. He looks up into the heavens 
that symbolic place of God's abundant rain and sun, and he gives thanks for what's actually here. And then he breaks and he gives. And he gives the rations back to the disciples, and the disciples give to others, and this chain of generosity has begun. A chain that inspires because it's concrete and it's imitated. And after the chain of giving ends, all have eaten to their fill. There's even more left over than what existed in that small circle of the disciples' possessions. And all they know, all of them know, in their bones, this important truth of Jesus, that there's always enough if we're willing to share. This story and the bread which symbolizes life is set in stark contrast with the previous story that ended tragically with death. And we are left with the invitation. Will we see and resist the spirituality of scarcity in our lives and in our world? Will we learn to imitate the powerful example of Jesus here? Will we imitate his vision and generosity? Will we take that risky step to share when all the instincts and institutions of scarcity call us fools? Can we put ourselves in a position to be wowed by the abundance of God that Jesus shows us? And can we do this in the face of the threat of pandemic? Can we do this in the face of uh, the conflict of racial justice or with an election approaching? Can we do this in the small personal realms of our homes and our families and our churches and our neighborhoods? May God give us wisdom and vision and courage so that we may give and give extravagantly. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Good Shepherd New York podcast. Good Shepherd New York is an interdenominational church centered around the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Our church is theologically rooted in the Apostles and Nicene Creeds, but we welcome people of any or no religious backgrounds to participate in our community. If you would like to support us, please text Good Shepherd NY, all lowercase with no spaces, to 77977. That's Good Shepherd NY to 77977. Or visit our website, goodshepherdnewyork.com. Thank you for listening.